Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of Built with Gen Z. I am so excited to introduce our guest, Tim Connors. He is going to be talking about his experience interviewing with Y Combinator, the big Y, the one that everybody talks about in the startup world. So everybody, welcome, Tim. Tim, let's start you off with some fire questions to get to know you a little bit better. How old are you? I'm 25. Where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Where did you go to school and what did you study? I studied cognitive science at UCLA. Oh, wow. Um, what is your favorite programming language? Uh, JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Biggest, oh, biggest in the world. Uh, oof. Uh, um, when people reschedule like two minutes before. <laughs> You know what's funny? I just did that to another person. <laughs> like literally at the, at the at the time of the meeting, I was like, "Hey, can we reschedule?" Um, I'm pretty sure they hate me now. Um, <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> favorite video game? Halo. Favorite startup? Other than your startup? Oh, that's a good question. My friends' startups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, favorite favorite startup that everyone knows. Oh man, um, damn, I don't know. You know what? We can uh, we can we open can. OpenAI is that kind of a startup? OpenAI. We'll pass it. We'll pass it. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Tim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, what are you doing? What is Pearl? Everything. I want to know everything. <laughs> okay, sure. So like, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, so briefly started a couple businesses in school was doing that um, when I came out of college in 2018. And just within the last year, year and a half started orienting my focus towards recruiting. And that's what Pearl is. It's a, it's a recruiting company. And what we do is basically provide everyone their own little personal AI career agent that listens to your career preferences and then applies to jobs on your behalf. And it operates mm -hmm. uh, purely over text message. So um, it's kind of like if you had your own little personal recruiter just working for you 24 seven. And the idea was that we would, by removing the friction involved in job seeking, by bringing that to zero and give, giving people this like experience, we could mm -hmm. get more people to participate in the talent market and move more fluidly in their career so that they didn't have to stay in jobs they didn't like. Pretty awesome. And why recruiting? It's such a specific industry. So how did you get into it? Yeah, like for me, my, my learnings from my past businesses were basically that I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial and like mm -hmm. building stuff as long as I could. I was comfortable being just roughing it financially and living frugally. That was okay. But I just wanted to, I needed to be focused on something that I just cared about at its core. Mm -hmm. um, so you care like, about recruiting at a core? I do. Okay. Why? It sounds, I mean, I wouldn't like frame it that way. Like recruiting mm -hmm. sounds like a corporate term, but like what we're doing is mm -hmm. just facilitating people's role in society. Right? Okay. That's okay, so you view it as you are helping, uh, you know, society and the economy grow by being able to 
transition those jobs rather than, oh, you're just recruiting and putting someone in a job? Yes, for me, it's always been about the person. This is Mm -hmm. the candidate. So this is like, Mm -hmm. your work is most of your life, your waking Mm -hmm. hours. And so there are a few spaces that are as like, has the same sort of impact that recruiting, like healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously is the exception. But with with that as the exception, recruiting is hugely impactful to the quality of life of people. And like being able to move the needle in this space is like literally changes people's lives Mm -hmm. because this is what they do with their entire day. And so that's how I see it is like this space is so exciting to me personally because it's one of the biggest levers for like changing quality Mm -hmm. of life. Have you ever been in a job that you absolutely hated? Did that stem from from that uh, emotion that you felt before? Definitely, but like I should, I, you know, I, 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 I never, I haven't had a full time job before, so uh, I, you know, we're on the been, same boat. Don't worry. <laughs> it's only been like internships, but mm-hmm. um, I've had inter- I've you know had a few internships, and mm-hmm. I pretty much didn't like any of them. And I remember specifically the dread. Mm-hmm. of thinking, wow, if I don't figure something out entrepreneurially, like this will likely be my job when I graduate and that's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not, I won't name the company or anything, but like I was just like looking around and everyone around me was kind of making these jokes about how work sucks. And uh, I just didn't see one person that liked being there and that I wanted to be like. And mm-hmm. um And outside of my own experience, I just constantly heard similar stories from my friends and family. Mm -hmm. And it kind of didn't matter how old you were. The stories are like common all the way up. Some people are lucky and they like find themselves on something. And like everyone knows that one friend that loves their job and it's like super weird. But like I want (laughs) that for more people. And I don't I think it's possible. Yeah, no, I I have a couple of those people who work um, full time and they're just so happy. And I'm just like why (laughs) but I guess you know what I I like working for my own vision for my own impact for what I choose to work for rather than someone and I think I've been that way but other people are comfortable with with their jobs um but let's talk YC Y Combinator that's that's been the uh, the topic for for a couple of weeks now um you applied to Y Combinator you got an interview talk to me about that uh yeah so um yeah, we had applied a couple of times before, and this time we, was the first time we got an interview. So we're like, okay, you know, moving up in the world, got an interview this time. How and many times did you apply? The, we applied twice before, so I'm pretty sure this was the third time we applied. And what and, stages the company, sorry, but what, what stages did you apply? Like, was it the ideation stage and like how early? Yeah, so like the first time we applied, it was... A different business completely honestly uh and it was like pre-traction so it was like okay yeah <laughs> and then the second time it was this business but it was pre-traction and then the third time it was this business post-traction but gotcha. the, you know mm-hmm. i'm skipping to the end we ended up not getting in but the interview itself was super useful and prepping for the interview was super mm-hmm. useful and posting about it online was super useful because it drew a lot of people to our story. Yeah, I saw one of your tweets. You said it completely redirected, you know, you, you and your founder's vision or you exactly know where you want to take Pearl now. So how did that interview impact the direction of Pearl? Yeah, so I wouldn't say, it, you know, completely redirected or anything, but it's kind of like 
shaved off uh, the mm -hmm. edges of the pitch and our narrative that were unnecessary. Cause we literally did like, and the big part of this wasn't the 10 minute interview. Like we learned nothing in 10 minutes probably, <laughs> but like maybe like a little bit, but the, the big thing, the big learning was from like, we literally did like a dozen, maybe 15 mock interviews with different YC mm -hmm. founders. And I was kind of leveraging it as just a, an excuse to just like talk to a ton of founders since that's kind of what mm -hmm. we do as a business anyway. So I was like, yeah, yeah shooting everyone in DM, being like, let's schedule something, let's schedule something. And so doing all of those back to back was super useful because we would just go through it. <clears throat> they would all ask us their own kind of questions. And so my co-founder and I got good at like realizing what were like the core nuggets of our pitch and what was worth saying and what wasn't. And that was super useful. And I had kind of thought that I had done that already, but turned out there was a lot still left to cut. Was it intimidating when you did the interview? Definitely. Like the, the actual interview itself, 10 minutes, like super, you know, scary in the sense that it would have been nice to get in. And so like the, it's kind of like the degree to which you want it is the degree to mm -hmm. which you're nervous. So I was like trying to not want it that much and be like, nah, it's not that important but <laughs> seriously would have been really useful for a company like ours that's like servicing startups and whatever mm -hmm. so there was a there was definitely a, a good amount of nervousness but um and then when they started they were like pretty adversarial in their questioning like i said in on on twitter um mm -hmm. so they were like going into the pitch and like i think other people that i like i've, I've pitched to were like more charitable or like could see that where I was going with the logic and they would go mm -hmm. there. But the they were not doing that. They were like, wait, I'm stuck on step one. How did you get to step two? And yeah. so I kind of felt like I had to lead them there. And my kind of conclusion was that they were like trying to see what my thought process was. Mm -hmm. um, so that felt like I was kind of thrown off by that. I was like, wait, why are we still like harping on this very first point? But I think it was useful. Cause it helped clarify, you know, helped us like make sure that we knew it was up. And eventually we got them through to mm -hmm. like through the narrative. And then it was like a little bit smoother after that, but it was like first half was like Rocky. That's scary. 10 minutes that determines the entire direction of your business. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, was it like a three minute pitch, seven minute Q and A or how was yeah, it? so it's like it's no it's no amount of like normal pitching like mm -hmm. you just start and they ask you the first question and then you know depending on how you know your answer is like you'll probably have like 30 seconds or whatever mm -hmm. to make your answer and then they'll just cut you off and ask the next one so so the first question was i believe the linkedin how are you like differentiating yourself from linkedin the first, question, the first question is what are you building Mm -hmm. And then I tried to get through like all the major bullet points <laughs> and like did okay. And then the second question was like, how is this different from LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. And then the third question was, oh, well, if it's for passive people, you know, why would they use it? It takes like that, you know, does not make them active or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we kind of got into the semantics of like what an active versus passive job seeker was, which I felt mm -hmm. was like straying from where I wanted to take the pitch. And like, mm -hmm. so that's, that's when I was like, oh shit, let me, so I kind of just went on the offense at that point and was like, no, 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 like, let me be clear. Like, this is exactly what we're doing and we know, and like, this is why LinkedIn's not as good and everything. 
do you think they strategically or purposefully try to you know fluster the, the the people they're interviewing or the founders they are interviewing just to see how quick they are on their feet do you think that's a strategy they use or do you think they're just trying to be very quick and efficient and you know get um, yeah I, I I'm gonna I, I don't think they're purposely trying to fluster the founders but mm -hmm. I do think that they have to be pretty ruthless if they want to get what they want out of 10 minutes because like I don't actually know what it is that they understand about my business. So like, yeah. it makes sense if they have 10 minutes, like you ask what you need to ask. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so you said on Twitter that the founder's journey is naturally compelling. Um, no matter what you're building, what is a founder story that you feel like um, is very appealing to you and feel like struck home to you? Hmm. Well, That's good. So first thing that comes to mind right now is like, I recently finished reading Shoe Dog. Oh, I love that, that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that one was just like, awesome. Uh, it's not a tech company. It's Nike, but it's just like, his story was uh, really, really cool. Traveling to Hawaii and Japan. And I, I loved the beginning of the story when just like his co-founder left him in Hawaii and got married. I was like, that's... <laughs> That's, yeah, he that's something. Like so many, so many trials and tribulations, and like, uh, yeah, it like resonated with me, and also because like I also was a runner, and like I'm, I've always mm -hmm. been a runner, distance runner, so like I kind of felt similarly. Um, and he like relates it back to running a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. That was kind of cool, but yeah, his his journey where yeah he just like constantly gets back up and. Uh, yeah, figures out how to do this company. And like, I kept having to remind myself, like, this is the 19, I don't even know, 80s or something. Like, this is not 2020. Yeah, so this is when things were a lot diff more difficult. There's no Shopify, there's no mm -hmm. funds for, like, you have to go overseas. You have to do it. <laughs> ask them to make, this is the drawing of the shoe and everything. And like, uh, I don't remember him coming from wealth either. So it was just like, Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was really compelling. So this is actually a perfect segue to my next question. Um, another, I just find your tweets very interesting. So a lot of my questions are based from your tweets. Sure. Um, you mentioned that most founders or successful founders come from wealth and that, um, you know, an increase in $100,000 income, family income gives you a 50% chance more like or makes you 50% more likely to actually go and start a business. Um, do you feel like that's something you relate to uh, in terms of wealth? Do you think that's, that's something that impacted you as a founder um, that made you feel like you're more comfortable or less comfortable starting a business? Yeah, definitely. So like 100%. So like my family, you know, it's they're not like super rich, but they, you know, they probably make over 200K like combined. And so, and, and so that's like a huge deal mm -hmm. because like I can fail and then go live at their house and they have the discretionary income. Yeah. Like they can buy extra food for me. Like their house is big enough that there's like a room I can stay in. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And just like, I, they don't pay for my bills, but just like the knowledge that if I failed like completely that I have that 
to just like recover like I could stay there like they would probably be happy for me to stay there for a year or two they're also like putting aside like literal like financial wealth like they have a good relationship my mm -hmm. parents and like are stable together so like it's like relatively comfortable for me to go back mm -hmm. and stay there and everything mm -hmm. and it's not something that I'm like wanting to do because I like living my independent life and like doing what I'm doing out here but just like the knowledge that that is totally like an option mm -hmm. uh, just like that truth just being implicit throughout my life is for sure a huge like reason why I probably felt like safe in a weird way like going mm -hmm. after this and not everyone has mm -hmm. that and it's not like obvious from like the outside I think and when yeah. I go and like the reason that I tweeted that was because like I'm constantly like I, I run like most of the entrepreneurs that I meet that are my age are similar have similar stories to me like That's similar cool. backgrounds mm -hmm. like such that if they totally fail they could go and and live at home and recover for like a couple of years and like yeah. you know, not have to work if they want to just stay at home and mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like it's useful to clarify that to people mm -hmm. because uh otherwise it's so much more risky and I don't think I would be brave enough to do it if I had zero backing I probably would have taken a job and like tried to get something some kind of nest egg going before taking that late because otherwise I'd be on the street that's that that's that's pretty cool because like I'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum right I I graduated from university I didn't have any savings I'm I do have student debt um my brother has student debt. We came here as uh, as refugees in 2016 to Canada. And so we came with nothing. We don't even have assets, right? And then I graduate and I'm just like, hey, I'm starting my business. And my parents are like, hmm? You're what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a large risk for me to just be like, hey, I'm not getting a job. I'm just going to be doing this. Um, and it was, it was literally like I was on the edge of the cliff because I had two job offers that were really, really good. And you know, I was like, do I accept? Do I reject? Do I accept? Do I reject? And I started crying. And I was like, mama, I don't want to accept this. Like, I feel like I'm going to be trapped if I accept this. And it was just, you know, it, it took everything out of me to actually be like, keep your money. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to take this risk. Right. And I know that if I fail, it's going to be like, it's not going to be detrimental to a point where like of homelessness, because I do live with my family. Um, but it's going to be tough, like on me and my family as well. So that I understand that risk and th that decision, you know, for me getting a full-time job and not doing this was like, I don't even know how I did it. I just like, I just clicked the email and was like, I closed my eyes and I was like, mm, nope, nope, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that definitely is like a, and that's a really big deal, you know? So it's just important for, like, I, I understand the appeal of like people wanting to, you know, say that they, made it on their own but it's just like never almost never true and it's like detrimental to other people's learnings in the startup world where like yeah. everyone's always trying to be helpful this clarification is is helpful <laughs> yeah not 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 just that it's I think a lot of people like myself as well who come from same backgrounds maybe, maybe even worse backgrounds um, they look at the American dream and they think that they can make it. Um, and what they don't realize is the people who made it with the American dream, they had good support. And if you don't have that support, whether it's the network, the financials, the parents, whatever it is, 
it is very difficult. Like you have to w- work at least 50 times harder than, than the regular person to even get on the same, you know, on the same line as them. Um, and people don't talk about that, which, which causes a lot of immigrant founders to fail because they just don't realize what they're actually going for. And they just see, you know, the perfect ideal founder, you know, the success, the billion dollars, the valuations, the raising funds, and they don't realize the, the, the difficulty of it. Right. And yeah, uh, are they just like explode into stress? <laughs> yeah. So. Or they explode into stress. A lot of them go into alcoholism, into drug addiction, into whatever it is, like very terrible habits because they're just trying to continue that route because they believe in themselves. They believe in the business, but it's just it's too much for them. Right. So um, why did you name your company Pearl? Because it is a because the world is your oyster. I was with my roommate and I was just like, so what should I name this recruiting company? And then we we're just going through and I think we were trying to, I was like on this theme of like rare, like I, cause I wanted, cause I knew that my focus was gonna be on candidates and I wanted this theme of like something that's rare in the needle and the haystack kind of theme works in recruiting for both sides you know if you're trying to find that candidate you're trying to find that job and so like gem diamond pearl mm-hmm. like whatever it is this like rare thing is the theme that i was on and then we were just going through them and then we're like oh pearl because the world is your oyster <laughs> that's that's sweet um so how long have you been building this depends on how you define this uh, my co-founder and I have been building for about a year on like in this general direction. We launched the beta on product Hunt in January, but we were really like, we were working together for a, a few months prior to that too, just on different ideas in the same space. You know, for a while we were thinking we were going to build a software like as a service and just like sell that to recruiting teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we-, we How do you monetize currently? Do you take a percentage of, uh, or is it a SaaS model? That's the plan. The plan is to do a percentage of the first year's salary. We haven't started monetizing yet, but we'll probably do around like 10% by default. And then like maybe- And is it that coming from the the, the employee's checks or the- uh, Oh no, from the employer. Okay. Yeah, kind of like a a recruiting agency, except it's- you know, it's, it's recruiting agencies will charge like 20 to 30%. And uh, is it just you and your co-founder? No other team members? Uh, well, we just brought on a like summer uh, part-time person to help us do ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but besides that, yeah. Just- I'm looking at the website and it's really well designed. Um, are you a designer? Do you have any design backgrounds? Um, I guess so. Like, and I don't have a formal design background, but I've done so many projects in my mm. life. I've always had to be like, shit, I need a flyer for this party. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's kind of how it started. It was just like, I'm pretty sure it was like, I need a flyer for this party. And then it was just like, from there, I was just the flyer guy in college. <laughs> the flyer guy. Yeah. And then when I started my own businesses, I like constantly was needing like a website. And so I definitely just like learned 
through mm-hmm. experience having to like build stuff over the years and now I really enjoy it I'm like still not I wouldn't say like I'm a naturally gifted designer but I like it and I'm good enough like for the you know for the start I would I, I'd say you're pretty awesome because I looked at the website and I thought you had a designer on the team like it it's such a cool concept it's very simple but it such good quality design and i also saw you tweeting about that about the different what what makes a quality design so can you talk a little bit about that if you are listening uh, you can check usepearl.com to to know what we're talking about but you have this like walking through strip where it's blurry and you have like question marks on it and it seems like it's company logos that are just you know passing by how did you come up with that because that's a really cool concept <laughs> yeah so first i haven't updated this website really like at all in the last six months so it needs a big (laughs) update but the reason that i did that was because when we launched like we pretty much didn't have any companies and so i couldn't put real logos so i was (laughs) like damn i want like but i really want to put logos and so they're i mean i don't i don't care if anyone knows we work with a hundred startups now i just need to update Mm -hmm. the website but none of these logos are real. They're literally just like random glyphs that I made and then blurred out. Like they don't actually relate to any actual logos. They kind of look like logos. Yeah, they look like familiar logos. Yeah. But these are, <laughs> that's actually a idea. That's a pretty cool idea. I'm not going to lie. I have not seen that before in design. Um, I, I do wanted to give this design, so. Like- Oh, you know, uh, you could work at any of these mystery companies, like just sign up and we'll match you to one of them. Like, yeah, it does give you like a sense of mystery. It's like, I don't know if you know the, uh, the website, but there's a website where it says you can spend $200 and you have a chance of winning, uh, or being chosen for an hotel room that could be as high as $500 worth um, and as little as what you're paying for, so $200. And it gives you that sense of mystery. It's like, oh my God, what am I getting? Um, and it gives me the same vibe. It's like, oh my God, which company am I going to get today? <laughs> which of these made-up companies will I work for? <laughs> right? <laughs> how many uh, How many clients do you have? You mentioned you have 100 startups right now. Yeah, there's like 105 startups um, in the network. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's like probably, there's over a thousand jobs across them all, maybe 1,500. Um, yeah, but it's like very easy to sign up and participate. Like our primary focus right now is just like adding, dumping a ton of volume because we, mm-hmm. we have a unique, we have a unique spin on recruiting such that we're like, going after and catering particularly towards like this passive job seeker and our entire like technology is built to pretty much monitor and give you only exactly what you're asking us for. And so a lot of people come to us and they say, Hey, I'm like looking to leave in the next year. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me know when you find like this exact opportunity that's at the intersection of like these three preferences. Mm -hmm. And so we say, cool, that's, that's cool. Like, we'll let you know. And Sometimes it's months before that comes into our system and like, it's fine because we're not, for the most part, we're not dealing with people that are like, I am like, I'm unemployed and I need a job tomorrow. And so because of that, there's like a little less pressure to like get the entire marketplace on at the Mm -hmm. same time that a lot of other marketplaces have to deal with. Mm -hmm. We see, yeah, we see really healthy retention in the long term. So um, we kind of just gathered up all these candidates and then we said, Hey, we have like over a thousand candidates. Like let's work with all the startups now. And like, you know, the startup is similarly sticky because we're not monetizing. We're just saying like, we'll programmatically ingest your careers, just paste your career page and we'll 
as long as we have a point of contact. This is very um, interesting concept because I feel that recruiting is the only industry where you can have a passive waiting list. Any other kind of industry, if you have a passive waiting list, the customers are going to forget about you and not think about you. And if they get an email, they're just going to be like, oh, whatever. And I've experienced that as well, where as when, when I get a waiting list and it becomes a little bit passive, um, I lose I lose customers and I lose um, I lose the attention of the customers versus something like recruiting. So that's 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 very interesting. Um, have you done uh, have you actually done a job so far where you were able to successfully match make a passive client with a job and that actually they signed a, uh, an employment contract? Uh, yeah, so it's happened twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, at, uh, I think one was an intern and one was a full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of those, there's there's been like, out of the two, there's there's been four or three other offers that were sent out. Mm-hmm that just like, you know, weren't ended up pursued by the person that we're working with. Were Uh, you able to understand why um, they were not pursued? Was it just not interested? Didn't want to quit anymore? Yeah, like, you know, in one case, it was like, they didn't, they just like, couldn't get the energy to relocate across the country. The other one, like they had a competing offer that they felt was more compelling. yeah, it's probably a ratio that's like not too uncommon or like we will expect to see since some of the candidates that we're dealing with are like higher level. And so um, we're kind of like racing against all the other recruiters mm-hmm. that may be in their life to like get them placed. And so they're very competitive. Have you gotten any funding yet or have you bootstrapped everything so far? Um, so we've raised a from a few angel checks but it's still like we've the total we've raised is under under 50k still so Mm -hmm. Um, but that's been a huge help like it hasn't been a huge enough help for us to bring on a full-time team member yeah but hey we have this like ops person part-time and that's that's honestly a a really big help because i was doing that and we can't do anything when i'm tied up all day and like doing uh the labeling and stuff no, I get that. It's, I've I've had the same problem where I was doing the design um, solely and I had, I'm like, I couldn't do the designs anymore. I had to bring someone else to do them for me because I was just, the, the entire front end of the business was getting neglected, whether it's the clients, the investors, whatever it was. And so I had to bring on some designers to actually continue the the, the UI work um, just so I'm able to focus on the business. Um are you looking to uh, to fundraise anytime soon? Yeah, I think we will. So like we've been having a few conversations with angels and founders this summer, um, the people that are like kind of those first few believers that recognize what we're building. Um, but we'll probably do a more dedicated round soon. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that metric for you that if you see you will feel like you've succeeded or this is a good business or this is, you know, this is something that can be scalable. Yeah. So like for me, and this is something they asked in the interview for YC too. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, we're not like, it's not hires actually. Like it's not hires is great. It's definitely Mm -hmm. indicative. And like, if you have zero hires, like there's something wrong, Uh, but it's not hires because we're not trying to prove that there's a market for talent. We're not trying to prove that recruiting works or that like we can 
find people that want a job and match them. What we're trying to prove is that like we can use this technology to match them at a very low cost uh, in terms of like human labor. Mm-hmm. That's the benchmark we're going after. We're charging like similarly to a recruiting agency, but instead of spending like an hour plus on every candidate, we're spending a minute. Seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seconds, a minute. And uh, that's like what we're, and so like the two people that we've been, like we probably could have more hires if we just like put all the technology down and just tried mm-hmm. to put people in seats as a recruiter, but I'm not a recruiter and I, you know, we're not trying to prove that. So we're trying to put people in seats with the technology that we have. Um, and cause that's, that's a real achievement. Mm-hmm. That's a very cool competitive advantage. And that's a very good answer. Um, the way you framed it, if, if Pearl doesn't work or if you exit Pearl, what would be the next thing you would work on? Probably like something clean tech. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's like, if I, yeah, yeah. If I like succeeded with Pearl, if I didn't succeed, there's a chance that I would just like pick something up else up in the same space. Mm-hmm. Cause like my actual goal is to like, actually like solve this problem. Yeah. So like I might just pick it up and try something else to do the same, reach the same goal. Um, so I'm not sure, but if it did succeed and I had to move on, I probably wouldn't keep doing recruiting. I'd be like, okay, well, I contributed my like to that thing. Mm-hmm. Now I would look for the next space to contribute to, and uh, that's kind of like long term quality of life thing. But like the clean tech is more like immediate, and I would like to con- like contribute anything that I can to those efforts. And. Um- what would be that turning point for you as a founder to 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 say okay this isn't pearl is not working anymore yeah i think it's just like yeah uh if it stagnates in terms of like our learnings and the the growth Mm -hmm. um so like it right now what we're being told is that it's working in the sense that the concept is attractive to both sides of the market, mm-hmm. which is a great starting point. But now we need to know, will it actually work in practice? Like, will the theory work in practice at mm-hmm. scale? And like, because we're not really at scale, that's unclear. So I think like if we hit that scale and we're not able to be profitable, mm-hmm. That would not be a great sign, but also maybe not a bad sign because like we're a type of business that uh, our costs can like shoot down at like massive, massive scale because a lot of like the costs that we incur to run this business are like human labor, mm-hmm. doing simple tasks that can be automated by machine learning. It's just like kind of a complex task. So we'd need a good amount of data so I'm just speaking out loud. I'm not really sure. Perhaps I should think of, I know that, I know <laughs> that uh, some people in my life would like me to consider this question more, but I, when I, I have never I, thought about that question, but I love to ask it because I don't know what that metric is for myself. I don't know if it's a year into it. I don't know if it's a, you know, number of rejections, number of like, I, I really don't know, right? Because yeah. right now what I'm building, I'm very passionate about and I believe it's going to succeed. So it's very difficult to start thinking about when am I going to quit this 
if you actually, you know, if you, if you really love it, right? So I always ask that question because I find it very interesting, the different answers that, that I get from founders. But I, don't, I myself don't know what's, what that turning point it's for me like is. It's just like whenever you get bored, I guess, or like, <laughs> it's not exciting. Like, yeah, I don't even want to attach to any metric because like, you know, we have been, I've been learning. So even if we got zero of everything, like I still have a lot of fun doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'd probably do it until I ran out of money and had to go like back mm-hmm. home or something. Cause it's just like, so uh, fun and I'm learning so much and worst case scenario, I'm putting myself into a position to like launch the next thing. I just have two more questions for you and I will let you go. I promise. <laughs> um, what motivates you and what is that thing that makes you want to wake up other than the business um, when things get really, really tough as a founder? Yeah, it's a good question. I've been trying to think of the answer to this myself. I think I have like this, like almost like comical, probably irrational, like adverse reaction to any kind of loss of agency. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't even say actual agency, it's just like the illusion of agency. Like I prefer to be under the illusion that I have agency <laughs> over my life and where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I believe that in our society that is capitalist, the best way to do like and and whose kind of social structure and um hierarchy is like built off of the capitalist structure I just see this path that I'm doing as like the best way to unlock agency for yourself as an individual um some people call it freedom like I think agency is more accurate word because it's just like you're able to do what you want and yeah yeah. no it's not I think start I always used to think startup was freedom but I'm realizing very harshly that startup is almost a cage because you're not answering just to an employer you're answering to clients you're answering to investors you're answering to stakeholders you're answering to your team you know your team who who put their full faith in you right and you're answering to your parents jeez um so no i i don't think entrepreneurship is in any way freedom i think it could result in freedom if there's a success um, but agency, I think, is is, is is a really cool word here. Um, my last question uh, for you is, well, where can people find you? Um, how can they reach out to you if um, they want to be a client or they're interested or they want to partner or invest, whatever it is? Um, what is the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so uh, my email is tim at usepearl.com. And that's our website um, mm-hmm. on Twitter it's tim connors awesome and i'll leave everything as usual in the show notes so you can easily access it um but awesome thank you so much tim for uh, for hopping on today thank you ran this was fun i haven't done uh, too many podcast interviews so you should you should it's it's always fun thanks <laughs>